coming up on staging. You're tuned into Finding Your Frequency with hosts Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. Connect with the show. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. And welcome back to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Jeff Spinard. I'm your co-host, Ryan Treasure. Welcome back. And we have a very, very special guest with us today, uh, Miss Sharon Lecter. How are you, Sharon? I am fantastic and delighted to be here with Excellent. you. Excellent. We are very happy to have you. Let me give the audience a little background, and then we'll pick it up from there. Uh, Sharon Lecter is internationally recognized as a financial literacy expert and keynote speaker. She is a New York Times bestselling author, successful entrepreneur, philanthropist, licensed CPA, and chartered global management accountant. She is the founder and CEO of Pay Your Family First, a financial education organization providing the tools and mentorship supporting families, women, and entrepreneurs. Sharon has a passion for financial literacy and entrepreneurship to inspiring individuals and businesses for over 30 years. Credited as the genius behind the Rich Dad brand, Sharon is currently partnered with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. As a driving force behind these two mega brands, Sharon has demonstrated her entrepreneurial vision and expertise empowering audiences with messages of hope and prosperity. Sharon is the author of the best-selling books Think and Grow Rich for Women, Outwitting the Devil, Three Feet from Gold, and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and 14 other Rich Dad books. Sharon, welcome to the show. <laughs> I could have sat here for days and just kept going. <laughs> it just tells you how old I am. That's <laughs> <laughs> wisdom, wisdom. So, Sharon, finding your frequency, you know, we always kind of start off with the journey as to how you found your frequency. Uh, let's go back to, well, go back to where you want to go back to. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, I'll try and give you the Cliff Notes version, okay. all right? Uh, I was I was the first generation of my family to go to college, so my parents' dream was that their daughters would get a college education. And so I went off and started my career back in the mid-70s um, in Atlanta as a CPA, and the goal was I would be there and get a, become partner and retire and have the good old gold watch, all of that mm-hmm. good stuff. And at the ripe old age of 25, when we knew everything, right? Remember that? Right. Yes, yeah. I do. <laughs> um, the entrepreneurial bug bit me, and I had a client invite me to go into a, a business where I would own a piece of the rock. And I said, well, if I'm going to work this hard, I should work for myself, yeah, not absolutely. for someone else, right? It was the worst business decision of my life. <laughs> I got there, and there was all kinds of corruption in this company, and I ran away scared to death. I came back, and the company had been involved with some litigation, and I met one of the attorneys. His name was Michael Lecter, mm, and in okay. two weeks, we'll be celebrating 37 years of marriage. Yeah, so awesome. and Napoleon Hill says, out of every adversity comes the seed of an equal yep. or greater benefit. I got instant feedback, right? I had the wor- It's still the worst business decision of my life, but it was... <laughs> Um, but we, led you to. But led me the best life decision. Yeah. So we have to always do not define ourselves by our mistakes, but mm-hmm. see what doors of opportunity they open. Love it. Got married, had kids, met the inventor of the first talking children's book and helped mm-hmm. grow that business globally. Time when bookstores were very quiet places. <laughs> and so it was really a lot of fun. It was the books that had the sound strips down the side. So mm-hmm. we went that, built, built that one, nine, 23, almost 52 million in the fourth year when we very sold nice. it. 
Very nice. Best when we moved here to Arizona. That was 1991. Our oldest son, Philip, um, graduated from high school, went off to college, came home at Christmas and said that told us he was in credit card debt. I was pretty mad. Mm. I was mad at him, but more mad at myself. <laughs> and that was December of 1992. And that's really when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial education, mm-hmm. financial literacy. Fast forward a few years. 1996 is when I met Robert Kiyosaki and helped him commercialize the game cash flow. Right. And in the process of doing that, so, you know, it, he wanted to charge $200 for this game. And I said, we probably should write a brochure that kind of explains the philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so we wrote a little b- brochure called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Most uh-huh. people don't know that. But it was actually written as a giveaway, not as a, something that uh, the world would see our brand, not as cash flow, mm-hmm. but as Rich Dad. So we thought we'd write one book, and then it was so successful, well, maybe we'll do three. So we did the trilogy, mm-hmm. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cash Flow Quadrant, Rich Dad's Guide to Investing. Thought that would be you know, the journey there, but oh no, it kept going 15 books later. And so 10 years after we joined as partners and I um, led the company as CEO, um, we were no longer aligned to what we wanted to do, so I made the decision to leave. And I tell people, sometimes you have to close one door for other doors of opportunity to open. And so a few months later, I got a call from President Bush asking me to be on the first President's Advisory Council for Financial Literacy and had no idea that was coming. But... At the same time, I wouldn't have gotten that call had I still been at Rich Dad. And then two or three months later, I got the phone call from Don Green, the CEO of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. We all know what was happening to the economy in 2008. And so they asked me to help reinvigorate the teachings of Napoleon Hill. And the rest is history. I've been working alongside them as well as my own company, Pay Your Family First, ever since. That is fantastic. In fact, yeah, some of this was, was news. You know, when you talk about the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series and some of the things that went on, didn't know about that till after, you mm-hmm. know. And I've known you for a while. I mean, when I personal friends and mm-hmm. call each other, but we have seen each other on occasions mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, did not even, even know about that until afterwards. But you mentioned financial literacy and family. Uh, I do want to say congratulations to you uh, uh, for being a new grandmother. Thank you. I uh, am absolutely thrilled. <laughs> and we have something for you. Oh, uh, yeah. Jeff made a little oh, stop on his way in this morning. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> A little something uh, oh for uh, Annalise, right? Annalise Gale. Annalise. <laughs> How exciting. Yep, and congratulations oh. to Shelly oh. and Jeff, uh, your daughter. and Love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> good, good. There you go. That's a little something from uh, Voice America. So Excellent. Okay. I, I can tell you firsthand how much little girls love those bears. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have a four-year-old at home, and uh, she had a little bear when she was born, too. Well, she's still got a big bear that yeah. she uses as she, a chair. She, d- daddy bear? She sits in it and reads in it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, you know, going back to the, uh, the, book, you know, the book series, uh, you've written so many best-selling books. What is your favorite book that you didn't write? That I didn't write. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, obviously, probably the Bible would have to be the number one from my <laughs> nice. perspective of, of my favorite. Think and Grow Rich, obviously, is, is something that I read when I was 19. I didn't realize the impact it would have on my life until I was in my mid-30s. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think today it's as valid today as it was, when it was released in 1937. So second to the Bible would be Think and Grow Rich. 
Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Uh, fine. Uh, I noticed that you have an article in a very big, uh, very big magazine, the Oprah Oprah Magazine, and and Fortune. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's it's a huge honor. They reached out to me and said uh, we want to highlight. Um, women in business in the Phoenix, greater Phoenix area. I think there's three or four of us that they've highlighted. And to p- provide that kind of opportunity, um, it was wonderful. They want to talk about the work that I've done. Um, make, they titled the article, Making a Difference. And um, it's it, it was a huge honor and, and to have that. We were on Oprah, the television show, back in 2000 with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So it's kind of, come, we've kind of come full circle. So it's kind of fun. Excellent. Yeah, Oprah's been doing a lot of cool things with the O Network, and uh, we have another show on the network uh, uh, with Andrea Matthews that you know they cross pollinate content for O and, and and stuff like that. So seeing you know this in the magazine uh, for the uh, future and uh, for Oprah, it's it's really cool and nicely laid out, very well done. I read this as well, and it's uh, it's very nice. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's most impressive. I mean, yep. when you're in the bigger magazines, you now it's nice to get any kind of publicity but when you start hitting fortune and oprah magazine you know that you've accomplished some greatness in your life uh and you have accomplished a lot of greatness and you continue to 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 strive and move forward uh i think that's so awesome so you know uh kudos to you uh, tell us a little bit about the financial literacy program that you work with. Well, money is a life skill. Yes. I mean, we teach our kids in school about condoms, but we don't teach them about money. And that's something that I've been dedicated to trying to change. Um, here in Arizona, I was successful in getting the law changed um, four years ago so that the high school students have to have personal finance before they graduate from high school. And it's Excellent. something that has to be done state by state. So I'm supporting other people across the country who are trying to get the same type of legislation passed in their states. And then last year, I was working very closely with Matt Salmon before I retired. Um, and we're still, it hasn't happened yet, but we're still working on a nationwide bill that would require um, anyone getting a student loan, because I, I, I truly believe our next financial bubble is the level of student loan debt out there. And mm-hmm. I think if we're going to give somebody money, we should teach them how to use it. So I think that part of the um, process of getting a student loan should be a requirement for some financial education. And that bill, we got partially there last year but with all the other stuff going on um, we're going to have to re re give it new life this year so we're looking forward to that right good good so what do you think the most important thing in terms of financial education that a parent can teach their child understanding um the fact that by the age of three, a child knows the difference between a $1 bill and a $20 bill. So they know the spending power. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they need the spending power, but they, they don't understand the earning power. And so um, a lot of people say, I don't want to teach my kids about money. I don't want to become greedy. Well, they already do, because if they only learn that side of the equation, if they only learn how to spend it, yeah. then it really breeds that entitlement mentality. And so, in fact, I did an interview this morning on allowance, and I say, you know, part of the, I don't want to tell parents how to parent, but I think allowance can sometimes be a crippling tool because the kids put their hand out and expect to get I paid. Agree. I agree. And so, you know, I say, well, instead of yes or no, let's talk about responsibilities. A child has personal responsibilities. They shouldn't be paid an allowance for brushing their teeth or making their bed. Um, they have family responsibilities, so maybe doing the dishes as part of that they shouldn't get paid allowance for that social responsibilities maybe your neighbor is an old lady that needs help with a trash can those are things that we they learn levels of being (laughs) part of a 
community, whether it just be the family or your local community, and then allowing them to identify ways where they can earn money, cleaning out a closet, helping with the garage, going over and above those other categories, give them the opportunity to create that entrepreneurial mindset. And so parents absolutely agree with that. Wow. Yeah, you, you bring up a really good point. And I, I was telling you earlier, I have a four-year-old. And one of the things that my wife and I started doing from the moment our daughter could tangibly touch anything was, you know, literally put dollar bills in her hands and coins in her hands and just let her, you know, just understand what it was, you know, and not be afraid of anything uh, that comes of, you know, that. And uh, and Jeff, is, uh, Jeff has uh, witnessed a couple times we bring Marley in and, you know, we're like, oh, what, what coin is this? What is this? And she knows all the way from a penny to a quarter what they are and uh, knows, you know, ones, fives, tens, and twenties. Uh, I, I gave her a hundred dollar bill one time and uh, <laughs> she thought it was like a twenty dollar bill. So I had to, you know, we're working on her just kind of identifying and understanding those things. She's but four. Yeah, but I, I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying with the, you know, uh, social responsibility and and the home yeah. home responsibility. You can't pay your kids to do those things because ultimately, how are they ever learned that those things they need to do themselves when right. they're on their own too? You know, not necessarily also the you know the uh, psychological component of how they they earn or spend money. You know, and also I think it does make them maybe a little lazy. <laughs> well, our kids naturally are very curious and creative mm -hmm. when they go to school. You know, the, that curiosity is what creates um, imagination and gets people you know thinking of new ways to solve problems. And once they go into public school or even private school, they're taught conformity. And conformity is something that is needed to live appropriately in a sure. community. But you need to balance that with creativity and curiosity. And what happens, I think, is that it, the, the balance gets shifted. People get into a career. They get comfortable. They get mm -hmm. complacent. And all of a sudden, they're not creative. They're not curious. And um, then we have a crisis in our life, and our life gets thrown into chaos. And so how do we get out of that? All of a sudden, at that point in time, we become more curious and creative mm -hmm. again. So if we can keep our children curious and creative, we can build children who are seeking always Absolutely. to create value in life. I love that. And with five kids and 10 grandkids myself, wow. you know, oh yeah, been up and down the spectrum, you know, some of the and of course I get into fights with my now ex-wife I used to get into fights with her uh, because you know money to her was just you know okay we always got more coming and I grew up you know learning the lessons from my parents on the value of a dollar and how to earn that dollar and you know think of creative ways you know to make it all possible so I love everything you're saying, and I am with you a thousand percent. And financial literacy uh, for the families, I think, is so important. So important. Well, at the end of the day, we're either a master of our money or a slave to it. Yeah. You make the choice. Do you want your children to be masters of their money or slaves? Right. Because whatever you're doing with them today is going to predetermine that because we learn our money habits at home. And so it's very important. And many parents are afraid. They themselves need to learn about money, and mm -hmm. so they don't teach their kids because they don't want their children to understand that they have a fault. And so I say, you know, do it together. I have a game called Thrive Time for Teens. It's a great way. keeps it safe. It's not personal. And you can teach kids about the value of money and the life decisions that they make because sure. financial education is a life skill. Once you get, Absolutely. it's a gift of a lifetime. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Ryan, uh, do you want to? Yeah, I was going to ask what kind of advice you would have for someone like me who has a four-year-old um, to to make sure that that doesn't happen. Because I swear that's like my worst fear is my kid growing up being just like this snotty little. I've got everything <laughs> I ever wanted in life and doesn't understand what it means to work for a living or any of that kind of stuff. That's I, not I would, you, I, buddy. I know, man. I'm trying. To, that's my 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 worst fear for my daughter. Well, I will tell you, my greatest advice to you is the power of the question. Because our children are brilliant, allow yourself to continue to give your child the opportunity to be creative and to think through the answers. Too many times you want to give them the answers. And we have to watch our languaging. Um, Everyone listening to this show or watching it has sometimes said, I can't afford it or we can't afford it. And that's a negative statement. It closes your brain. You kind of want to shrink when you hear that, right? And so I say, catch yourself. And instead of saying we can't afford it, Say, how can we afford it? Oh, that's great. By just asking that question, you expand your brain. You actually induce the entrepreneurial thinking. of, And then it also makes you think, do I really want it? Sure. We're about to go through uh, that practice, actually, right now. Our daughter's kind of in that transitional, you know, she's a toddler, but she thinks she's a big girl, doesn't want to, you know, sleep in the convertible crib kind of thing anymore. And so we're working towards that. And she says, I want a new room. And I'm like, all right, well, we're going to have to figure that out and what you want to do and, you know, show me, show her some pictures and she wants this bed and that kind of stuff. And I I know I'm probably giving my four-year-old way too much uh, leeway on what (laughs) she gets to pick out, but um, I want her to be happy with what we, we put into her room so that way she's comfortable with it. But at the same time I'm also trying to teach her that you know just because you want something doesn't mean I run to the store and bring it home right it's you have all of these uh, stuffed animals that you no longer play with so I'm we're taking pictures of all of them and we're putting them up on like offer up and selling some of them and giving some of them away and donating them so I'm trying to turn it into a you know a learning experience with her of well hey you want this well you're not old enough to get a job I'll get in trouble if I give you one and uh, then so but how, how can we sell things that you don't want to create capital for you to get it what you want we, like we have somebody for you to work with. Well, it sounds like you're thinking at it very early on, and that's very important because that that makes the, you know that makes a lifetime of difference when you can start thinking about how you can trigger that thinking and let her participate in what toys she's willing to give to other children. Yeah. Not just that the toys have disappeared, but say you know we have to make room for new if you want new. So let's see what do you have that we can let some somebody that's less fortunate benefit from that's great and yep. build, build in that concept of generosity mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome okay, listen let's take a short commercial break uh, when we come back i want to talk about some of your travels coming up ladies and gentlemen go check us out on facebook facebook.com forward slash voice america talk radio and of course on our website findingafrequency.net and we'll be right back right after these messages with our special guest sharon lecter stay tuned <laughs> 